when you uh, work in radio or, or the music industry for, for many years, a lot of personalities, some good, some not so good. But uh, our guest here today, he, he's been nothing but kind and awesome. All the time, I've known this guy, Brandon Parkhurst, for, for decades now. Uh, he's in a band by the name of Cut You Up with another dear friend by the name of Chris Cote. You might know Chris. And then uh, Yovi. He's been in these bands forever. He's toured with uh, huge acts from Green Day to Blink-182, Jimmy Eat World. He also appeared in the documentary Riding in Vans with Boys with his band Cut You Up and the aforementioned Cote. And uh, then he then he fell off and started sticking needles in his arm. And that went on for a really long time, as you'll hear in this forthcoming, inspiring, I might add, interview. And, and I didn't talk to him during his, uh, his dark years, if you will. But uh, when I think back to early Brandon and look at the man he's become, it's so... It's, I, I, I could cry. It's so effing inspiring that since I had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago, I, I think about him a lot, think about our conversations, and I also look forward to working with him in, in the future because he's got this amazing organization that is just geared to help people, especially those who suffer from addiction or mental health issues. It's all about uh, living a positive, authentic life, and uh, it's One Law Love. You'll hear more about the organization in a few as well as Brandon's amazing, amazing story. And it's great to reconnect with you. It's Cantori, and uh, it's the Cantori Show, not to be confused with Unmanageable, which is another podcast I do with my old radio partner, Merrill. You can find that on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash unmanageable. This, this is a personal endeavor. This is something I throw down. I, I wish more frequently but uh, I've been so friggin' just, just trying to get my life back together. Just been busy. Launched a new uh, concert series by the name of uh, Sundown Sessions. In fact, uh, we've got a Steve Poltz show. If you don't know Steve, he's a legendary singer-songwriter, iconic here in San Diego. In fact, he helped Jewel get her start, wrote her hit. Uh, which, what was her hit? You Were Meant For Me, I Was Meant For You, that song. But uh, Steve's the raddest, and he's going to be in town a week from Friday. Now he's Nashville, Tennessee-based, like a lot of San Diegans. A lot of folks moved to Nashville, a lot of my friends, my musician friends. Got out of town, bought real estate out there, living like kings and queens. (laughs) Here the struggle. The struggle continues. But uh, Steve's the best, and he's an amazing singer, songwriter, storyteller, if you'd like to go to the show and others, we've got a Yacht Rock Sunday brunch and a Pato Bonton show, reggae legend. Hit the website, sundownsessionslive.com. Also want to thank uh, March and Ash, March and Ash Dispensary. We're talking about them, given the uh, conversation we're going to have with Brandon momentarily. But that being said, if you're uh, down with the THC, the CBD, a lot of talk, you know, CBD over the years. People are like, ah, it's a joke. It's you know, There's nothing behind it. But then the science is starting to roll out. Everything's starting to roll out, pun intended. And uh, the world is just growing, another pun intended, to new heights. All right, I'll stop. But uh, March and Ash, marchandash.com. Also want to thank Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. Now that things are getting looser, opening up, a lot of people heading south of the border to Baja, And if you need to get your insurance going, hit them up, BajaBound.com. It's the quickest, easiest way to get yourself a Mexican insurance policy. You can do the the car, the motorcycle, personal belongings. But if you find yourself going south, you do want to be covered. And BajaBound.com is your answer. All right, let's talk to Brandon Parkhurst. I hope you get inspired by this conversation. We get deep. We talk about a lot here. And uh, I hope you you get something from it because I look forward to working with Brandon even beyond this. So here we go. I've been thinking about it ever since we, we had lunch. You were talking about how as kids, 
we're conditioned to put on like this mask or this phony identity because we don't want to upset our parents. Yeah. Elaborate on that again, because I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot since we had lunch the other day. Yeah. No, I love this topic. Um, it's so cool. So as kids, there's two things we need, right? One is we need attachment. Like we need to feel to survive. We need these things to survive. Like back in the caveman days, you needed two things as a kid to survive. One is attachment, which means that my caregivers, I feel connection with them, right? We feel, I feel like they love me. They're there. I'm safe. And, you know, humans are, um, the human species has the longest attachment phase. You know I mean? We got like 16, you know, seven, eight, 10, 16 years of being attached to this caregiver before we really kind of get our own, start figuring it out. Right. Yeah. And, um, what happens is that a lot of our parents aren't willing to feel right. So as a kid, like if you see a baby playing on the ground, I think I was telling you this, right? Did I say something like you were, you mentioned something about you were out like getting a coffee or something and a mom was disciplining her kid. Yeah. Telling him not to act a certain way. Right. Right. Because he was whining or, or showing yes, totally. yeah. signs of sadness, yeah. which, which turned to anger about right. getting something right. great okay i remember so um i could use even a better analogy that actually happened but but just a little pre-story to that as a kid if you watch a baby playing on the ground that baby can cycle through its emotions in a minute it can be angry sad laugh and then happy just that lack of emotional control that like, could yeah, just, we're just we're just beings and so as the human organism starts to grow the authenticity becomes smaller. But back to the attachment, there's a whole theory called attachment theory, but essentially to sum it up, we need to have attachment. We need to be able to feel like we can, as kids, express what's happening. So a better analogy than the coffee one, so I have to go into that story, would be imagine a little kid wanting a cookie from a cookie jar, yeah. right? And the, and the little kid says, Happens with a middle-aged man, too. Totally, yes. Yeah, I'm a giant child. So you could use me as the actual. Exactly, got it. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Um, the kid's like, mommy, I want a cookie. And the mom says, no, you can't have a cookie. And the little kid gets angry. Yeah. It's like, I want, I want a cookie. And the mom says this to the kid. The mom goes, um, good kids don't get angry. Okay. So the kid right there hears that, but that's not what the kid, that's not what the kid transforms the message into. The kid transforms the message into angry kids don't get loved. You're right. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, and this is just one example. And, and this is not, and the reason why mom says angry, you know, says, you know, good kids don't get angry is because mom doesn't want to feel the uncomfortable feelings because she was never supported in her anger. Right. right? And, and again, we're evolving as a species. Right. So, but that's what happens. So the little kid says, okay, angry kids don't get love. So now every time I have anger in order to stay in connection because I need attachment, to these people to survive, it's a survival mechanism in the human species, in the human organism, I'm not gonna be angry anymore. So what does that teach me? It teaches me every time that I have an emotion, a big emotion, I'm not gonna get seen in it. So I just, and, and, and it doesn't like disseminate into the ether. It, right. it stays inside of us and it goes into us. And we, we are, humans are essentially, if you look at us, we can be like computer programs. And we have all these programs from when we're a young kid just being downloaded into us. So and my, all this that, shit is firing at firing. the same time. My program now after that situation means that I can't get angry because when I do, I lose connection with my mom. Right. right. And the other thing that humans need from way back in the caveman days or whatever you want to what we what's in our dna is uh we need authenticity we need so if you were uh, a tribal person and you were running off your mental state you weren't we would never survive you yeah. have to be able to be in touch with your emotional state you have to go this feels not safe we got to get the hell out of here right we got oh i love that person you know what i mean and like you see it you watch fucking documentary can i cuss oh of course yeah. so you watch documentaries like you know native americans or whatever the the collectivist mentality is so based on emotions. And where we're moving into in most of the world is it like an individualistic mentality, which is like, I don't know, this way I was raised was like, you're out for you. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As an individual, you know Look what I mean? Look out for we, yourself. We are losing the collectivist idea, which is like community. And, Completely um, agree with that. Right. So, so the authenticity is a survival mechanism. Now, what happens right there is I'm not going to survive because if I'm authentic with what's happening. You're going to get shut down. I'm going to get shut down, right? So Criticized. These things, condemned. These things, right. These things get pushed further and further away. And the way the universe or God or whatever you want to call this thing we're in matrix whatever it is it's constantly trying to get us to grow so people are always wondering why do i attract this person that makes me angry over and over well because the universe is trying to get you to finally learn how to be angry because when you were young you weren't able to right, right. it's trying to get you free right but it's not just anger it, it was oh. also sadness okay yeah the one that resonates with me the most and i think fucked me up in many ways was the don't cry unless you want me to give you something to cry about. Totally, one hundred percent. Well, the, it go, and the, how about joy, right? I mean, it, it just it, there's an, there's an if you had a pie chart of of what everyone has to go through. What about the kid that when he gets happy and he's in his gifts? When I was a kid, I was a, wanted to be a musician. I start playing music. My dad comes over. I love my dad now. We work through a lot of stuff, but comes over and goes, do you even hear yourself? You're so out of key singing. Yep. I'm in my gift, I'm having, I'm in joy. So what does yeah. that tell me? That's my message to me. Yeah, is right, you're not okay, good enough. Uh, well, so now when I'm in my gifts, I lose, I'm not loved. Damn. Do you know what I mean? And Too so well. this is what we're up against and this is what my passion is. How do you fix that, right? Like, what do you, like, how do I, okay, so now everyone. Because ultimately, it obviously took you to very dark and bad places. Totally, because what happens, then think about this. Now, okay, let's just use the same analogy as the little girl or little kid that wants the cookie. Mom says no. Angry kids don't get loved. And then the next thing is um, sad kids don't get seen by their dad. So now I'm holding all this bullshit inside of me until I'm 12 years old and freaking I'm walking to the bus stop and I look down and there's a joint in the gutter. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know what that thing is because I, I had Mad, remember Mad Magazine? Of course. Yes, it was Mad Magazine. I'm like, my friend goes, spleef. You know, I pick that up. We go to this, we go to school. We hide it in my backpack. We, after school, we go to the liquor store. We called it Hey Dude in it. Hey Dude, buy me some beer. We get a six pack of beer. We go to the skate, the, the skate ditch. I pull out the joint. I fire it up. I drink two beers. I take two hits of the joint and I literally put my arms up in the air like I just won the biggest contest in the world going yes do i finally i found the thing that it, keeps me from having to feel my pain yeah. and by the way where was this when i was five yeah. i needed this when i was five years old you know it's what i amazing. mean amazing yeah i didn't have that so and i didn't discover it then right had the experience later in life but I, I was just in torture i was just tortured through my entire exactly. childhood and, and to be totally clear, i didn't have that really i didn't drink I right. rarely smoked weed because when I did, I enjoyed it, but also would get riddled with guilt right. and just think I was a horrible human being. Right. And uh, so I didn't have even an unhealthy escape. I had no escape. Yeah. That, no I, coping mechanism. Totally. And when I work with, I mean, I work with uh, addicts a lot and I kind of give them kudos. I'm like, hey, we're pretty smart. We figured out a way to not feel. You know what I mean? <laughs> Early on, right? So, but there's these, there's these deep. So, so what happens at this point? <laughs> that's, that's funny, but dark at the same. But, but you're right. And I know your story a little, and just put this yeah. like, to put this in proportion. Although you didn't use drugs and alcohol, or whatever, you formed a defense to the world that kept you safe. Truth. Which means thousand percent. Which means this that now you're missing out on relationships, and you've said some things like it was a little rough when you were young with other kids because it's like uh, I can't be who I am. Or you said like screw those kids, and then, and then, and then how kids are? They smell blood, oh, right? Boy. And now they go, oh, now this guy's been shut down by his dad. They don't. This is not conscious for the other kids. And I'm a big kid, a and, taller, a kid, taller kid, and then target. So yep. then you start. We start forming defenses. So the defenses happen when my dad says, "Do you even hear yourself sing?" So my first defense is like, "Well, I'm not going to do that anymore." Right. Okay. And the second thing is, if you ask me to do that, I'm going to have a little bit of a excuse or a charge yeah. for it. You know what I mean? So what's happening is our authenticity, our gifts, our light, our love, all these beautiful, amazing things that are inside of us. Stripped away. Well, they're actually, yes, but they're shrinking. Right. And they're coming to a little hidden place and it's defended by our rage and our anger and our manipulation and our, and then we have, so now we have all this rage and anger surrounding our hurt place. But because we can't walk around the world telling everyone to fuck off, now we get to the mask, okay? Then the third layer after all that is now I'm just going to put a mask on 
And, and generally when I work with people, that you can have a thousand different masks. You know the tough guy mask. Fuck oh, you. God. I don't need anything. I don't need your hugs. I don't need your meditation. I'll go to the gym. Fuck you. I got it, right? Yeah. Then you got like a love mask, which is like you see, you see all the time people with love addiction, which means like love mask is generally, what do you want, to, what do you want for dinner, honey? Oh, okay, I'll do that or whatever. When should I be able to, let me check with my wife. Like this love mask. And what a love mask is, is essentially um, you're saying, don't leave me. Yeah, you're just trying to appease other people. Don't leave me. Don't yeah. leave, right? And then you have that like codependency. It's like totally a codependency mask. One hundred percent. And then like the, this is the three that I generally I can lump everybody into, or we can lump ourselves into, is a serenity mask. Serenity mask is the person who's like, oh, I found God, and now you, you know my house just burned down and my dog got hit by a car, but I'm fine because it's yeah. God's will. And you're it's like, the universe. It's you're, a, like, yeah. you're like, uh, no, the, you know, I mean, there's something where there's all these bypasses. So we have these. Th- three layers we have our beautiful place that wants to be amazing it gets hurt then we have these defenses that keeps the world away so we don't get hurt anymore and because we can't be in our defenses we put a mask on and pretend like everything's okay so how far away are we from our beautiful places inside of us right and what's such a trip too is that's why i thought this when i even look at the last year and a half as it relates to the pandemic and so many people bitching about putting masks on. I was like, we're already wearing them. You're just throwing another one on. Yeah, What totally. are you complaining about? Yeah, totally. You know that. I mean, I can go on. I can talk forever in that area. But what I noticed the most about this last pandemic was, um, was <clears throat> projection. Yeah. Okay, so everybody was uncomfortable. So whether you hated Trump or you hated Biden or you hated Black Lives Matter, whatever it was... I'm not going to get into what I think was right or wrong, but what I will get into is that it was so, I actually was cheering us on during all this because finally now we're getting real. Okay. Man, I felt the same way, Brandon. It's like, okay, you don't like Trump. Well, that's your anger. You don't like Biden. Well, that's your anger. You have something against Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has something against, it's like this, now we're, now we're unearthing the defenses. Correct. And we're almost there. Like we're getting this place. And, but what happens is people don't want to feel their anger or their rage or their sadness or their fear or even their pleasure. So instead of that, I make you bad. Yep. And we don't go anywhere. And this is all the war Just in the point world. Fingers. Just, Just point right. fingers. Point fingers. Point fingers. Because I don't want to feel. Yep. And um, and I just kind of sat back and was like, I didn't know. You know, I kind of just did my own work. I was like, that makes me angry. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start out by being point my finger and then I'm gonna go okay. I'm gonna wrap it back to myself and go. Oh, this is my anger. And underneath it, if you if you reverse anyone's anger, there's a longing. Do you, you know what a longing? A longing is like something you really want to go your way. So yeah. for instance, if I'm really mad at this person for being this way, I wouldn't be mad at them if I didn't have an underneath longing to connect with them. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like this whole thing, everyone's yelling at each other, but what you really want is connection. Connect with that person. I want to connect. But you actually love that person. Let's fucking go out and do like hurt them or whatever yep. and this Duke is it out. Let me call you a kook, a piece of shit. Exactly. And I, I wonder though, do, do you have hope though that people are going to come back around? Because I feel like we're still in the projecting mode. I feel like we're raising a conscious. We're, we're we're in a we're in a huge um, shift. consciousness shift. Yeah. And companies like the one that we're all trying to do together, you, uh, us, and hopefully right. you're part of that, is what we're trying to do in in our own little ways. And it starts by each of us feeling on our own. And then what this comes down to, in order for this to happen, is safety. And you... You want to feel safe. You want to feel safe. I this agree with all, that. Okay, so imagine you you know, you have a place inside. We all have a place inside of us that we're just like, okay, that place is there. I don't know about that place. What would you need in order to process that place? Safety. Yeah. And that's it. And what safety means for me is that when I'm doing my own process work is that the person who's holding space for me has done their work. Yeah. Okay. So it starts, this is why our company is so amazing. You know what I mean? It's like I went to school for so many years specifying in one, the whole first two years of my schooling was me doing my own work. So where did you go to school? Yeah, I went to a school called Radical Aliveness Institute and it was located in, it started in Topanga Canyon. And no way. Yeah, yeah. It's my hometown, baby. So at the, um, what's the Jewish uh, I love Topanga. Camp? Yeah, so the Jewish camp. The Jewish they, camp right up there? They, they rented it. It wasn't yeah. somewhere. It's not, it's not, it's not. All my friends were, I don't know the name of it. I was Catholic, but all my friends worked at that camp. All my Jewish so, friends. So we would rent <laughs> it out, you know, and then we worked on online. 
And, and this um, is how long ago? I've been out of school for four years now. So I went to school for four years and then I assisted for two. So six straight years I went to school. And um, yeah, so it's called Radical Aliveness Institute. It's based in this thing called Core Energetics, which is body-based psychotherapy. And if you look at the healing, if you had a pie chart of what it takes for someone to heal, you got a lot of shit. You, got, you have to work on your mental state. You got to work on your spiritual state. You got to work on your body. Like the body, uh, my opinion, this is everything. So every addiction has nothing to do with the thing you're using. Okay. Whether you're using sex, relationships, drugs, alcohol, it doesn't matter. It's what we don't want to feel underneath it of why we pick that up. Okay. And all of this is in the body, right? I don't know about you, but when I start to do something stupid, my body feels uncomfortable. And instead of feeling that, I'm gonna go soothe myself with some external thing. So the school was based in body-based psychotherapy. So that means normal psychotherapy, you'd go sit in front of someone and be like, I'm angry about this, and then you talk for an hour. What we do is, oh, you're angry? Well, grab this, um, we call it a bataka, but imagine a axe handle with a pad. Is that what you had in your car? That's what I had in my car. And What's it's it like, called? okay, just, it's, we, I call it, we call it a bataka. A and bataka? It, yeah. It's not, you can't, you can't even, it's not even on Google. You can't, I don't right. know if we made that up. <laughs> we used to use tennis rackets back in the day. And it's like, just start hitting. You know what I mean? And what happens, remember I was telling you about the defense, the defense around our authentic self? Yep. If you start moving that energy, the, okay, so for instance, like, oh, say your story was the one you're like, you're like, I'll be like, think of a time when you were young, when you were angry and you got shut down. Well, I was going to ask for a cookie and my mom shut me down. Cool. Well, can you hold on to that thing? Grab this tennis racket and why don't you start hitting and tell your mom what you really wanted to say? And something happens. What happens is that we start to move this anger. And again, safety is so key, right? You're not going to do that unless so you you're feel moving s- it out of your body into you something hitting, inanimate. You start hitting and start hitting. And what happens is that this is a uh, core energetics. Is I can give you the whole story. Core energetics probably bore people, but for me, it's really exciting. Anyways, say you move all this energy until you exhaust yourself, and now you've told your mom to fuck off. I'm just a kid. I want a fucking cookie, and why don't you go out and deal with your anger so I can deal with mine? Like, you know, right. this is just... But then what happens is now the sadness can come through, okay? People all the time, you hear like, I don't cry. I can't cry. I want to cry. I don't know how to cry. Well, because we have a defense towards it. We need to move the anger out of the way. We got to say all the shit we didn't get to say. Yeah, and I cry all the time. Yeah, you do? <laughs> I do. You're good. I'm a crier, man. I can't get through movies anymore. Yeah, so then, then we might be, if I were to work with you, there might be a way where there's another deeper level of sadness underneath the rage you're holding on to. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, I do. So you hit this rage out of the way, and then you get real quiet. And then all of a sudden, you'll feel, whoever's working will feel this, this thing that we're protecting. The anger's always protecting us. Right. So then this thing starts to percolate, and now, oh my God, this sadness of not having the mom that could support me in my anger and the pain and how that has re- created a program in my consciousness that kept me hidden and safe from everybody else in the world and kept me from my gifts. I mean, just me saying it is so painful. But what happens though, if we can express that, now we're taking this unconscious place inside of us where we've held all this pain and it's not disseminating out into the ether either. Now it becomes our power. Now, after I do this process, one of a life's work of processes, when you look at me, I'm gonna look you in the eyes and be like, I know every part of myself. Right. I know where my sadness is. I know where my anger is. I know where my fear is. I know how I could annihilate somebody. I know how well I can love somebody. Do you know what I mean? I'm of course. Re- yeah, really clear. So you're more, obviously, when you enter a social situation, business situation, you, you navigate through differently today than you ever did in your past because you do have that self-awareness that you never had before. Yeah, totally. And it's like- it's a, like, It works in all areas of life. Yeah, Relationships, jobs, anything. Friendships. Yeah, yeah, I got this buddy, David Sutcliffe, and he was kind of like my mentor. He, I showed you that video, Artist Warrior King. We had a men's group, but this oh, guy, yeah. we, we uh, do a daily accountability, but we're always in something. And the first thing we'll say is, can, are you holding on to your goodness? Are you, because I don't know about you, but when I enter a social situation and I'm, I'm worrying about being judged, okay, yeah. say a good, good one, right? I'm worried about being judged. I'm in a social situation. People are being a way that triggers me a little. And I'm worried about them judging me. Well, what that what does that mean? That means that that I'm letting 
my goodness, how I see myself as a good person, I'm leaving it up to some people's judgments. Terrible. Right? And so and what happens- And then there's the old adage of whatever they think of me is none of my business and but, all yeah, that. Yeah, you That's, can say that till freaking, you know, the cows come home. Yep. But how do you get there? You do your internal you process do the work. work. So it's like, now it's like, fuck you. I fucking laid on a mat and cried about my mom for two fucking years. <laughs> I don't give a shit what you say. Yep. Maybe you should do, and by the way, if you're judging me, it's because you haven't laid on a mat yeah. and done your work, so fuck you. Or you think you see something in me that yeah. you hate about yourself, but guess what? That's not in me, so go fuck yourself. Exactly, and you know, we live in a mirrored reality, which is like, you know, just to use back to the political thing. You don't like Joe Biden, you don't like Trump. Well, there's probably a place inside of you that has the thing you don't like in them Yeah. that you haven't looked at. So and true. That doesn't mean that after you process, you're still not going to like Trump, but at least you're going to be grounded in your arguments. Yep. You're not going to be making it all about him being bad. It's more like, oh, pff, I got a freaking narcissistic idiot in me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I know about it. We all you know do. What I mean? We all do. But instead of feeling it and processing it, we just want to make, we want to change our external reality so we don't have to feel. You know, so you get out of the school. Do you get some type of certificate? Mm -hmm. Do you get a, a PhD? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? It was. I think I was telling you this, but yeah, it was so funny because I mean, I, the amount of time I spent in school, I could have got a what's called LMFT, licensed, you know, marriage family therapist or all that, and I was really like, like fuck, I kind of want that. You know what I mean? If I'm going to put this much time in, so, but no, the the uh, the state doesn't recognize it because it's really edgy work, and um, they can't make money off it. It's the same thing, you know. So I get out and I get a certificate. I'm actually a core energetics practitioner. But I describe myself as a body-based psychotherapist. And if you want to see my credentials, just look in my eyes. You know what I mean? It's like they're right there. I love that's that. That's how I feel about it. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like, and that's where we're headed. There's also a downside to that. You got a freaking shit ton of, quote, healers out there that do one life coaching workshop. I'm a life coach. You spent a Saturday and a Sunday yeah. in a room with some people. And now you're a life coach. Same with yogis. Yeah, and you're yeah, you know, and you just don't know. And look, man, you put someone who's isolating themselves and going through a, a bad time in a room with other people. They're gonna have an experience, and they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, I, I talked to some people. I'm in, and now I'm part of this cult." And it's like, it's like. And all I can do is just trust, you know? I mean, the work that me, that the Cornergetics do, is, it's, uh, it's very, um, it's edgy, it's intense, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's where, I, that's why I've, that's why I've, you know me, that's how I've always been. Yeah, but I think in this, this day and age, people are so afraid to get deep and get edgy yeah. and do the stuff that you're doing. Because when I saw the video and I see a group of guys who look like my peers, dudes I would surf with, grab beers with, and they're in tears hugging each other, it brought me to tears. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I'm, I, you're talking to a guy who, and my dad's still alive, I've probably hugged my dad, I can count on my one hand yeah. how many times I've hugged my father. Yeah. So when I see other men who aren't related have these emotional embraces, yeah. it, it fucking wrecks me, man. 100%, and my answer to that is, well, you know, do it in this lifetime or the next. Yeah. You know what I, I love mean? that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's like it's I like do. You know, I do know way, what you mean. It's like the way I see it. You know, we're here to live in a 3D experience, and if we're lucky enough, we can. Ra 3D means 3D consciousness, which means we live on the basic level of humanity in a very 3D war-based, projection-based, uh, addiction-based reality. And if we can, we, if we're willing to do our work, we can boost up to what's called a fourth dimensional or a fifth dimensional consciousness. And if you live in this world or matrix from a four-dimensional or fifth dimensional cons uh, consciousness, it's heaven. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I have zero judgment. But don't you think living your true authentic self also comes with, because um, this is what I struggle with, is I, I find myself sometimes afraid to put my real self out there mm -hmm. because of the, there's a lot of people who take advantage of mm. those who live authentic lives, correct? Y and how do you fend off those people? Because I have a problem with that. Well, when you say that, it makes me feel like you're making yourself a victim. I like that. You know what I mean? It makes I me do. feel like, okay, wait, like, like you're not in your power. 
and your authenticity is your power. So there must be a little distortion. If you say you're being in your authentic self, then I'm not really if I say you're I not feel. really in your power. If you're if you people are taking advantage of you, you're responsible for your reality. You are powerful enough to set boundaries and to be into it in, intuitively uh, enough in touch with yourself to say, I don't want to be around that person. But what happens? I'm getting there. You're getting, I'm getting there. there. But what happens? What the what, dude, listen, man, this is what it is for me. It's life too. work. It's for yeah, me too. It's like life this, work. I am not. I and I love that you say, called me out on that, by dude, the way. Well, God you know, bless you. Here's the work, right? If you really want to know is that there's a risk that you have to take to set boundaries with people what might happen right okay so someone's taking advantage of you well then what there's some fear inside of you for you to set a boundary with them yep you're right so and and like and, and what's the fear that's your work so now i have fears surrounding setting boundaries i know this person i'm in my authentic self i'm doing great this person's taking advantage of me well there's a lack of self-responsibility there yeah. It's like, okay, I'm aware of it. I'm going to set a boundary with this person. The reason we don't is because now we got to feel our fear. Now we got to feel our conflict, right? Hey, shit, this person might leave. This person might attack me. Oh, you know, if I set boundaries. But one thing that's cool about boundaries is that you're actually being of service if you set boundaries with people. Because if you don't set a boundary with somebody, you're keeping them from feeling something they need to feel. Yes. And you're like, dude, people know who, what they're going to get with me. I'm super good with boundaries. And people love it because they know what they're going to get when they deal with me. They're going to get straight up and they're going to get this too. I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. But do you find yourself upsetting people at times? Yeah, fuck yeah. You should have seen when I first started doing this work, man. I was, I have so many I'm fun. Sorry about the baby, by the way. I'm like, that baby is going yeah. off right now i'm holy like you know cow. i'm really in touch with my anger and i have it like can you shut that fucking baby damn up? it God <laughs> holy cow uh, uh yes i piss people off all the time and then how do you deal with that like this yeah what do you want me to say like i'm like hey okay like some yeah okay for sure hey look i'm really sorry if i hurt your feeling that situation i went overboard like can we I want connection with you we'll work it out like if it, if like me and my girlfriend or whatever right. I do that a lot but moreover it's like this is what it is for me yeah. this whole world's full of people not being able to ask for what they need that's so true you know what I mean it's like I know what I need I know what I want in a relationship with the humans or not I'm gonna tell you what's up and I'm not gonna leave a lot of times you now, know what I mean what about when you have a disconnect with another human do you find the need to try to repair it or are you okay with letting sleeping dogs lie like I'd love that baby to go to sleep? Depends on if I want connection. It's up to me. Right. So half the time, I'm like, fuck, I don't want connection with that guy. Right. So therefore, it's like not even letting it. It's just like, yeah, I don't even just, like I got, I'm on to the next thing. I'm going to the next thing. Um, and uh, it took a lot of work to get to that place because we have to like um, process the places inside of us where we're afraid to be alone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. the reason why it would make me feel weird if there was a thing is because I like maybe he doesn't like me, maybe he's gonna leave, so I have to process that. Um, and then a lot and of times- And also processing not being liked too. Exactly, so it's like, but it's like if you start doing your work more and more, it's like, pfft, it's like I know I, I like me. Yeah. That's what it is. But also there is times where there's a disconnect out there and I will um, bring it to light. I'll say, hey, I feel like there's a disconnect between us and I really want connection. Now that is a huge risk because what might happen? The person might go, no. Yeah. So, but anyways, yeah, I'll be like, hey, you know, I feel, there's something going on between us. I feel a disconnection. You want to explore this and, you know, whatever, like, I'm okay if you want to not. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. It's like, it's okay if you want to go, but I'm bringing it to light because I'm trying to um, clean up my side of the street, essentially, yeah. you know, just like of course. bring it to light. What do we have to lose? We live in a matrix. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? And again, like I'm saying, I'm so clear that we just keep coming back. Yeah. So what's the name of the organization that you're running today? One Law Love. One Law Love. Love. Yeah. And why is it called One Law Love? There's this guy that um, me and my dear friend, John Humphreys, um, uh, he knows him. He wrote a song called One Law Love. And it's like, it's, you know, I hope he never listens. It's a cheesy song. But it's like one of those songs, it's like, 
it's not a Christian rock song, but I mean, it would be equated to one of those Christian rock kind and of songs. And who wrote this now? Just his friend. He's, oh, okay. He just played, writes song. He wrote this song like in the 80s, I think, and gotcha. just recorded it. And he's just, but it's like, one la la. You know what I mean? And uh, John was like, I really like this name, One La Love. And I was like, I really like that too, you know? And so it's just, it kind of was, I like love. I like, uh, there's a book called The Law of One, which I don't know, I can go into that book. That book's whatever. But um, I like One Law of Love. We're all one. We all come from the same place. We're all completely insane thinking that these different colors and yep. all this shit is like, so One Law of Love. We're That's all what fruit we're from the get. same tree. It's what we're trying to get to. Either I'm going to tell you I love you and stay the fuck away from me, or I love you and let's hang out. Right. That's the bottom line. It's like it's like we're all in our own different ways. So. And That's who's your partner now? John Humphreys. Um, John Humphreys is... Um, well, I, my story, you know my story, cut you up. We're, We're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. I was so, saving that for the end. I yeah, know what yeah, I'm yeah. doing. So anyways, John Humphreys <laughs> is a dear friend who gave me a bunch of money, me and my band a bunch of money to go do a bunch of drugs and alcohol and made a bunch of money off of us. <laughs> <laughs> and that band's cut you up. <laughs> that band's cut you up. Yeah. Anyways, John's a great friend. What He came to one of our workshops. His brother had just died. I hadn't seen him in a long time. I had changed my life years ago. I ran into him at a Trevor Hall show. And he was, uh, for those who don't know, he was instrumental in uh, a lot of clothing brands, right? Atticus yeah. and Macbeth and worked with Blink and you guys were attached to Blink, cut you up. Right. John took Tom DeLong and Mark Hoppus when they were getting big and said, let's like make you more than a band and like in a fun way let's yeah. let's freaking all of your ideas so so they would sit around a table and tom would be like i like shoes <laughs> and and hump's like we call him hump john humphreys hump's like let's start a shoe company and yep. this will be fun and, and Mark, this is before that, that that's standard fare today but this is before people were doing that this stuff is totally yeah and they where had, you're your own brand and your own merchandise outlet and the whole bit they blazed the trail with it Truth. you know what i mean and these yeah. guys and i remember being around in those times as um you know, young kid, drinking, partying, but really just watching these guys going, these guys are a few years older than me. Oh, shit, Tom, Mark was older. Tom's the same age, but like Tom's about, I think he's seven years older than me, but watching these guys going, these guys are freaking badass businessmen. I mean, and they surf and they have fun. And they tell dick jokes. Right. And they fucking go in the back room and create shit. And I remember really being like... Um, that is amazing. And so for me to be partners with him now is like, uh, it's a testament just to the work I've done on myself, you know? Because essentially that lifestyle that he was funding early on mm -hmm. took you to this place that was obviously uh, not a healthy place for you. So let's let's talk about that. When did shit really start spiraling? Yeah, yeah. So, well, so cut you up. Um, we were just a little band in Encinitas and Tom DeLong, Mark, and John Humphreys called us over to their house one night. They go, they want to talk to us. And we know, you know, we knew them. Blink was huge already. And um, they called us over and go, hey, we want to bring you on this thing called the Pop Disaster Tour with Green Day. We're going to give you a bunch of money and you're going to give you a van and you're going to film the whole thing. Damn. And we're just like, holy shit. Okay. And here's your tour schedule. It's like this packet. I remember carrying it around with me for like the month and a half before we went, you know, just looking at this tour schedule. I was 20, I don't know how old it was. 24. It's amazing though. That's yeah. every dream imaginable every, yeah. coming true. This is like every band's most unfathomable dream coming true, which most bands would immediately go, let's pull it together yeah. and do this. But I think it's kind of a give and take because that's why I cut you up when it's because we were so not that. Yeah. We were the, we actually, we were coined, uh, show business's least hardworking band. That's I think that's what <laughs> that's it was. Amazing. Yeah, and so they put us in this van. You just partied and played instruments. We partied and played instruments. We stayed in nice hotels, and we went on this tour. And like, we went from playing out front of arenas, like you know what I mean, like the side stage, right, to becoming like really tight friends with Green Day, really tight friends with Dreamy World, and closer friends with Blink. To riding on the buses and then end up playing the main stage and better and better shows. And it was great. I mean, we blew up and then we made this movie, this documentary called Riding in Vans with Boys. I remember that. Came out on MTV. I remember it came out on MTV and I went to a bar and I had like $5 in my pocket. I'm literally watching myself on MTV with $5 in my yep. pocket. And it was like, 
the gift, the golden egg. And what happened for me is I got, there you go, right back to my dad telling me I can't sing, right? I told you earlier on. I start singing when I'm a kid. My dad says, can you even hear yourself sing? It starts bringing up all this, oh my God, I'm not worth it. I'm not, I don't know this is even happening for me. That was me in my radio career for what it's worth. Exactly. Never thought I was good enough to be on the air. (laughs) Thought I was too, I wasn't smart enough, funny enough. Everything wasn't enough. Exactly. And I was so... um, Even though I got there on my own. You did, yeah. Didn't matter. You did, man. Didn't matter, though. And you were always so cool, man. Doesn't matter, though. You don't know what was going on in my head. I didn't know what was going on in your head, (laughs) but you pulled it, man. I think I was already had found something to suit. So anyways, I was wearing a mask. Right, so fear comes up for me. Now I'm like, and we have this guy saying, just make, like literally, Brandon, write one record. All you have to do is write eight songs. And like we have, John had a a, a, a contract, a record label, uh, uh, DreamWorks Records, which doesn't even do music. They're like, fuck it, we're gonna do music with these kids. These kids are funny as fuck, and this movie's so funny. And all I had to do was write eight songs. And I'll never forget, we come back from this tour, we formed this band Yo V, which actually just just made this new album. But uh, I just was going, yeah, 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 we're gonna write the, we're gonna write the album, write your album, write. And I came out of like a two year kind of blackout, still saying we're gonna write this album. And I hadn't written it. And everyone else had been like, fuck, Brandon's just, I just went downhill. I got scared. I didn't know I was scared. I started drinking, partying, and I ran around Encinitas bar hopping for like two years, you know? Isolating yourself from your band in the process, just creatively. Yeah, I remember, this is, I don't know if I'm going, but the band YoV too, I mean, this this has happened multiple times. I'm like, Taylor Steele called me and my buddy Dylan Rush over. He loves the band Yovi. And, and he, he remember, I remember him sitting down. This is how fucked up I was. He, he goes, I'm going to make this movie called Sipping J- Jet Streams, okay? I want you and Dylan to fly around the world <laughs> and pick out some indigenous cool sounds for all, all paid and then write an album, write the soundtrack for this movie. Ugh. And I, I never forget, I, I was like, fuck yeah. I left his house and didn't even think about it until I saw him like a year and a half later, and I'm like, dude, are we doing that thing? And you didn't know a year and a He's half like, had it's passed. It's out, you fucking idiot. Like, what oh are you talking God. about? You know what I mean? That isn't the analogy of how yeah. it was for me, you know? So I got scared, and then what happened was um, uh, when I was 19 years old, one of my friends had died of a heroin overdose. And I, I just was like, I'm never gonna touch that shit. You know what I mean? So I was just drinking and doing Coke and all that stuff. And, um, but what happened is when I was 27, my, one of my best friends shot himself in front of me. And when that happened, when uh, you were 27, I think I was 27. I think I was 27. Yeah. So like, you know, a few years after riding in vans with boys, we were supposed to be making this record. We had all this opportunity. Cote, Cote is our bass player. I love Chris kind of just wrote me off like fuck i'm gonna get married you know yeah. what i mean he got me he's like i'm gonna get married whatever that was got a real like, job nine to five working i'm living trans the rock world. star life in my head while i'm drinking freaking margaritas at 6 a.m at the freaking office in cardiff you know what i mean like yeah we're you know just totally delusional and um my my friend ends up shooting himself in front of me and that story in itself is really dark but um uh, Where did that happen? That happened in Lucadia. No, but the action at his house in at a, a house lot? that we ha- that we lived in with this guy named my buddy Rich. It was three of us there, and that story is so like I was pos- there was you probably it's yeah. like yeah I don't want to go there, but anyways, uh, yeah he ended up dying, and when that happened, um, I went down. Like I start then I started doing hard drugs, heroin and cocaine, and then it got so. I mean I have seen the darkest depths of that's how i found like that there's that there's spirit like i, yeah. I i'm so connected to my meditation and spirit because i've seen so much dark were you shooting up yeah shooting up shooting. They, they call them speed balls heroin yeah, and of course yeah you were doing that bit the belushi oh bit totally and i i mean the the level i mean i never got arrested i never it's just like uh i did get arrested one time and i got or but i mean like the, where would you find heroin in san diego like, I mean, you, you can, can find you can anything in there, but you just... You, you put me in the middle of Sahara Desert, I will find a bag find of dope. It. it doesn't matter. Like, I'll find... That's me with weed. It's, I could find weed exactly, anywhere, totally. but I just put heroin in such yeah. a whole different category. Yeah, totally. I've always been a master manifester. It just depends on uh, what I was manifesting, you know? You and me so both. So how it works is you get a dealer, and it's usually like a Chicano dude with a cross 
a cross chain. Sure. That's super, I mean, put it this way. You know you have a problem when your drug dealer offers to send you to rehab. Wow. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? He's like, Brandon, you're fucked up, man. You know, I send you to rehab. I'm like, rehab's for quitters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when did that eventually happen? What was when your- When I went to rehab. Yeah. Yeah, man. So then I, this is like, so then I think that was 27. My buddy died and I had a little bit of resources. I'd made me a little money saved and I just went isolated. I went dark, you know, and I was hanging out with sketchy people for about three years. And around like 30, 31, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to die. He's like, you know, I didn't have a drug. I didn't have a drug problem. I had a drug running out problem. Right. I was out of resources. I was out of money. I was like couch surfing and, um, Music's done at this point. Yeah, music's like, well, you know, I was playing huge shows on the end of my bed. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like to thousands, your cat. thousands of people yep. in my head. To your in, cat. To my cat, totally, yeah. Just sold out bedroom shows. And, uh, you know, I went to a treatment center. And um, and that's a whole story in itself, you know. Like, the, the, the insanity of drug addiction is that when I went to this treatment center, I think I got, like, seven days clean it was a detox and at the end of the seven days i remember saying man i'm never gonna get loaded again you know what i mean i'm fucking so good yeah my 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 bed was all made my clothes were all folded and um when i went to leave they said actually we we recommend you stay for inpatient and I was like, what's inpatient? Like, inpatient. They're like, it's, you're not going anywhere. I mean, it's in the name, inpatient. You're not going anywhere. And I was like, well, she, and the lady was super nice. She was like, oh, well, inpatient, you stay here for 30 more days and you go right to that building right over there. And I was like, why? I'm like, what's, look at your record. My record show, I have seven days clean. I don't, why? It wasn't like, it wasn't like, no, it was like, why? I, I'm never going to get loaded again. I remember saying that. And this is day seven. And I said, no, I'm not going to inpatient. I went home, and by the morning of day eight, I was loaded. Yep. So this is when it started to hit me. Because here's the thing. If you would have rolled a lie detector test in that detox center and said, Brandon, do you ever want to get loaded again? And I said, no, I would have passed the lie detector test. Of course. Yet, one day later, yep. I was loaded. That's so how much that's the mind will me. shift. Yeah, so it hits me like... The addicted mind. Yeah, I'm screwed. And then I spent the next five straight years going in and out of treatment centers. Damn. So now we're talking from 27... And where'd you get this money? I got a couple from... Well, I've been in the nicest treatment centers, like those really nice ones with the chefs and all that. Yeah. And I've also been in the ones where they, they give you a yoga mat and say, go kick dope over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've been all down that rabbit hole. So as... It progressed on the treatment centers got worse <laughs> and i'm a really likable dude you know what i mean yeah People you work just, your way in they can, they musician just, they're programs, like musician and they're like this non-profits will help you yeah and i'm not an asshole and i'm funny and i'm like and i i have an honest good I, looking I, good looking these curls and shit those curls will just swoon the ladies yeah totally yeah I'll, but never fully dry like kind of damp and clammy because right. i was always kicking dope you know what i mean i was always just like just greasy. You know? I can like, relate to that. They're like, let's help this guy out. And then, um, and then when I was thirty six, so that's a lot of years. That Damn, I essentially lost dude. almost yeah. 10, 10 years of my life. Yeah, and imagine the regret. You know what I mean? Imagine the like, yeah. what the fuck? I could be playing Coachella right now. Yeah, it's like, and I that knew type I had of this shit, music right? in me. But I went, I called my one buddy, he had a treatment center up on a mountain in Palomar, and he goes, look man, don't even come to our center, just come up here and get detox. And I remember going up there, and what we do, we call it a drug run, it's a run, I was like on a two-week two run, which means I'm barely sleeping for two weeks, I'm just a complete nightmare, and when that ends, you need to sleep, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean, because I'm not sleeping well. And I go up there, and uh, I fall asleep on my back, and my legs kind of butterflied down and I fell asleep for about like probably like 30 hours and when I woke up my hips my legs had 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 through to gravity gone flat and kind of popped out of my hip socket, socket so I woke up couldn't I walk had to pee I rolled out of the bed and I just remember crawling to the bathroom and I just had what, what we'd call in recovery a moment of clarity right and the moment of clarity was like like um <laughs> this ain't working yeah at all and i had said that before and that was it man i walked i mean I, I i crawled to there and i spent a few days up at that treatment center and i came down and i made a decision to face myself 
That's it. You know what I mean? I was always trying to change my external reality yep. in order to make myself, my life better. And I was always putting happiness out in the future. If I could just do this and this and this and this, then someday in the future, I'll be okay. Right. And it never came. Just the present was such a mess. Right. So then it became this. It became now I'm going to face myself. I'm gonna, there's a word for it. It's called humility, <laughs> which I wasn't too familiar with, which means maybe I don't know how to do it. And maybe somebody else does. And so I just went full into like this idea of curiosity. I stopped telling people how it was. And I started asking questions. You know what I mean? I started, I didn't, I said, I mean, what I mean by stop telling people how it was, stop telling people what I thought I needed. Yeah. And started asking questions. Just listening more. Yeah. Less listening. talking, more listening. Unlike this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm learning how to be a better listener. You're here to talk. I'm yeah. here to listen. I love, I mean, I love talking about this shit, but, um, because it's a success story. I mean, people tell me all the time, I can't believe, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, man, I got to see the darkest of the exactly. dark. Exactly. Yeah. Not I, me. I look at it like, dude, you've lived a life man mm -hmm. i'm just fascinated by the whole heroin thing because that's yep. something i could never ever see myself crossing that bridge yeah. and just the idea that you were just ejecting yourself oh yeah dude. which is like the dirty <laughs> you don't even <laughs> dude you i have to close my eyes dude like in breaking even, bad not any even of those like, scenes not i even, gotta close my eyes dude i can't watch dude, the, and i didn't get like hepatitis i didn't get any disease it's just like i'm it's just the, the the, the idea that I didn't get hepatitis or any of these things. That's the Encinitas heroin addict. Yeah, totally. This That's is why. Yeah, totally. It's <laughs> Clean anti. needles. But no, I was down at TJ. I mean, if, I, if you even just got a glimpse of one day of what my life looked like, I remember always saying this. I remember waking up and seeing, I just want, if I can get one day where I'm not trying to hustle and get loaded, I'll die happy, man. Just Damn. give me one day. And look at you. How many days has it been? Nine years. Damn, that's so awesome. In a row. Holy shit, that is so awesome, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, so anyways, this is kind of an important thing is I decided to face myself and I started talking about what was really happening for me. And then this magical thing happened. I had a little bit of money. Like I, I saved up just a little bit of money and I went to this place called Esalen. You ever heard of Esalen? I have. Yeah, it's this fucking amazing retreat center up in Big Sur. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. And so I had gotten, I, so I, what I was doing. Don't they take naked jacuzzis there? Oh, yeah. Everyone's totally. naked. That's a funny story on yourself. I've been there. like so. Oh, yeah. And when I was going, I'm like. I was invited, but I wouldn't go because yeah. I heard I had to get in a naked jacuzzi. This is, well, and this I'm is like, funny. have you seen my unit? I'm not getting totally. in a naked jacuzzi. Right, right. Well, I, when I was driving up there, the person who, who I went with was like, by the way, we, you know, it's naked. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Same as you. The fast forward, though, once I got there, like You're three like, days oh. in. No, three days in, I'm like one leg up on the jacuzzi. Just nutsack hanging out. What's up, John? Hey, sir. Fucking, you know what I mean? Just like, I was in. You that's know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah, it's so funny. That's but, awesome. Yeah. But that's where you went, though? I once went you, once you hit. fucking workshop. I, I, it was so crazy. So at that point, I so was. So you hit that low. You're crawling to the toilet. You hit up your yeah. buddy who's got the center. You get. Get six months clean. Okay. And I go, I start getting scared. Cause I'm like, fuck, man. I got six months clean. I'm like, I need more help. And that's when you went to yeah, the center. I went. Well, yeah. So I went to this thing called SRF Self Realization Center. It's in Encinitas. This guy Paramahansa Yogananda. Cause I knew I needed some. I needed to get in touch with my spirituality. So what happened is I, I'm starting. There's this prayer. It's called When the Student Is Ready, the Teacher Will Appear. Okay, I love that. You it's love true. That, right? Okay, so I'm I'm like literally cruising around Vons and fucking Encinitas and PB looking for a yogi to come around the corner. Like I'm not, right. I'm, and you know. So what happens? I'm doing. I'm just praying. I'm I'm really going. Whatever, whatever universe, nature. I mean, look, see that tree. We're outside. Can you see that tree right there? Can you build that tree? No. Okay. You could put an acorn in the ground, add some water, and the sun will make it grow. But what's the intelligence behind that tree? You know what I mean? That's what I knew I needed to get connected to. I knew that there was some kind of higher level of consciousness. And so I was going to SRF. But anyways, I'm doing this prayer. Send me a teacher. And this fucking uh, catalog comes to my house for Esalen. I open it. I literally close my eyes and fucking swing my finger around and land it down i look down and it's this thing called radical aliveness and i was like it's like process old emotions connection community i was just like holy shit i guess i picked the right one 
So I get my resources together and I go to Esalen and I end up walking in this room and there's 20 people there. Um, and this is where I meet my buddy Dave Sutcliffe, who all the guy that's in that video I showed oh, you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he was an actor in Hollywood for Gilmore Girls. And he's okay. like, fuck Hollywood, I'm going to be a... Anyways, it's funny, all my friends that I know that went there yeah. are all the guys who said fuck Hollywood. Exactly. That's so interesting. It, that's what he did. And he's just... So I walk in this room and this lady's there. She's like a... She's probably like at that point, what, 50 some years old, red haired lady walking around. Little did I know this is my guru. I'm looking for guy in the ochre robes, meditates. Yep. It's this lady, she's just like dancing around and next thing you know, I'm on the ground crying. I'm just bawling and I'm crying for me, I'm crying for humanity, I'm crying about my mom. I cried for seven days and I yelled and I screamed and I kicked and I fucking, you know, I had pleasure too. I found my pleasure. And at the end of the seven days, I was, I, I had, I was like, holy shit, I can do this. I found my passion. I would watch people stand up, say what they were blocked with, and three hours later come through the other side in this magically free place. And I go, I could do this every day. And how long were you up there for? Seven days. That's <laughs> it? That's it. But at the end of the seven days, she takes me aside and she goes, we have a school. You know, I don't really, you know, it's, it's not for everybody in the workshop. And a lot of people in the workshop are already in the school. She goes, we have this school and like, I really feel like you'd be a good fit for it. And I was like, right on, man. Well, how much is it? And she goes, well, it's $7,000 a year. And at that point I was like, uh, and she's like, it starts in a month. And I was like, shit, well, let me see what I can do. And, and, and 7,000, this is Ann Bradney is my like biggest I love Ann Bradney. She is such a saint. And $7,000 is way under less, uh, under um, the amount which she should charge. Her value, right. She's just like, she's a, she's a serious saint in, in human form. And anyways, I go home and I call my dad. And my dad's like, wait, let me get this straight. You want to borrow $7,000 to go to school after I haven't talked to you or seen you and you've completely fucked up your life so you can go yell and scream and I'm because I'm like dad I went to this thing and I'm yelling and screaming he's like he's like uh, he's like I'll pay for half of it and I was like I was working at this um this treatment center and I had you know six months clean and I was help driving guys around um and I was just trying to stay focused and stay sober I hung up the phone with my dad I was like shit the owner of that fucking treatment center comes around the corner. He goes, hey, man, can I talk to you? And he brings me in the garage. And he goes, dude, I just heard you uh, talking to your dad. And I, I want to pay for the other no half way. of the school. Yeah, man. So it was like, I was just like, I get chills talking about it. So here I am now. Accident, I'm not asking. I asked my dad. And I was like, okay, thank you. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I yeah, get yeah, yeah. bam, fine. So next thing you know, I got this, this, this scholarship to go to this school and then the rest is history once i showed up at this school um like i said they taught me how to do my own work for two years so we're not we're not teaching you shit about how to facilitate you're going to do your own work for yeah. two straight years so then we start learning how to work with people you know what i mean and the way i work is on an intuitive level which means that if we were like well, we wouldn't work together if we were friends but if we were it w i don't have an agenda for you it's completely in intuitive it's right. completely i'm reading I'm feeling, and we're gonna work through, it's called experiential work. So a there's two things that happen in the healing world. One's called an expert model, which means that um, they're gonna stand up there and they're gonna write on a board and teach you everything. And then that's an expert model. What I do is an experiential model. So if you come to our workshop on July in July, which means we're all leaders. I'm gonna kinda hold space for everyone, I'm gonna do the teaching, I'm gonna be working with people, but it's an experiential model. We don't know where we're going. Yeah, and if people wanna take part in the workshop, how do they get involved? It's One Law Love, O-N-E-L-A-W-L-O-V-E dot com. That's right, and at the bottom of it, you'll see my phone number. I love to talk about, um, I love to talk with people that are willing to grow. Also, at the same time, give me a quick lowdown on Yovi and new yeah. music. Yovi plays June 18th at Gather in Encinitas. That's right next door to Lose Records. 
Then we're playing Booze Brothers July 23rd, and then we'll be doing an album release party. The first album we've made in like 15 years. You've 11 got the songs. album coming out. 11 songs, and I'm so happy and proud about it. That'll be at the end of August. Follow us on Instagram. It's like Yo V Band Official. And then I'm on Instagram too at Brandon underscore Parkhurst, and then One Law Loves also on Instagram. Yeah. Love it, dude. Thank you for coming over. Thank you. I love you, brother. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Uh, That's tremendous. Uh, Big thanks. Big thanks to Brandon Parkhurst. and, And thank you to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for supplying all our background music. Forgot to get that in there earlier. Also want to thank Mariposa Ice Cream, home to the best Homemade ice cream on the planet. You can find Mariposa right on uh, Adams Avenue here in Normal Heights, right around the corner. I love my Mariposa. The peanut butter and jelly, the Rocky Road, uh, the white chocolate raspberry, cookies and cream, all homemade, just the best. Thank you to Tim and Anna. Love the family over at Mariposa. And uh, be sure to check out Brandon's organization, When Law Love. And as I mentioned earlier, I look forward to teaming up with Brandon and his crew more in the future. We've got a lot of work to do. Let's lock arms and get through this together. It's all about the love, and I love you. I mean that. Have a great one. And thank you for listening.